This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. So you've taken a chance. You've made a long journey across the mountains, perhaps even across continents, all in order to enter the labyrinth of this ancient village. At first it may sound only like music from the distant past. You think, it's just another tourist like me making a sick joke. It's just the locals playing tricks on the unsuspecting and paranoid. The stories can't be real. Even if they were, this type of thing never happens to you. Only other people. Right? It's all just in your head. But that wasn't. You pick up the pace. You've been here longer than you realized. A stranger in a strange land. You look up to the sky. It's been cloudy all day. An unnatural mist. But now, with the wind rising, the clouds blow away. There's light now, but it's not sun. It's the moon, shining stark in the night sky, illuminating the ruins that surround you. The ruins of Bangar, the most haunted place in all of India. It's as if you were caught in reverie, in a dream, that has now become a nightmare. Because with shocking clarity, you realize once night drapes across this fallen city, the gates lock until morning. No one comes in or out. And you're on the wrong side of that gate. But the guards are gone. The clouds once more cover the moon, shrouding you and the ghostly ruins in darkness. And in the dark, stories can cross a threshold into reality. Ghosts can be glimpsed by the eyes of man. And history can return from the dead. <laughs> and by the sun's first light, when the gate's lock is lifted and the Bongar fort welcomes its next round of excited visitors, the only thing that's truly forgotten history is you. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to the abandoned Bangar Fort in Rajasthan, India. To this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough Haunted Places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Unless you're a native resident of the area, the journey to the Fort of Bangar may be a long one. 
over 230 kilometers from the closest major city of Delhi, the once palatial grounds lie like an empty skeleton at the foot of the Aravalli Hills. This is Alwar, a district of the Indian state of Rajasthan, and this is rural country. As one crests the hill overlooking the final valley before Bangar Fort, a feeling of displacement may rise up. The narrow dirt streets and the melancholy green hills look the same as they did in the 16th century when this land was first settled. The fort overlooks an unrivaled vista of the Rajasthan wilds. The ruins of the fort itself are wonder. While barely a structure remains intact, the winding layout of the city presents a direct look into the architectural past of this nation. But most noticeable, and most photographed by visitors, is a sign that sits just outside the main gate of the fort, just a few years after the fort was opened as a national park of sorts in the 20th century. The Archaeological Survey of India made sure this notice was visible to all who came here. It reads simply, no entry between sunset and sunrise. At the beginning of the day, it may not seem that ominous. But the declaration is taken seriously. Guards patrol the fort and usher all out before night falls. Then the gate is locked with a heavy chain. The official explanation strives to avoid any supernatural explanation. They say the paths are dangerous and confusing, that the architecture is dangerously unstable, that once night falls, solitary tigers may wander inside the fort after hours, stalking their prey in the surrounding wilderness. None of this is unreasonable. Rajasthan can be a dangerous place, even without the undead. Yet it isn't the disorienting layout that makes the hair stand up on the back of an unsuspecting tourist who has just taken a wrong turn in one of Bangar's many alleys. It isn't the architecture that draws in an unnatural mist after midnight, shrouding the fort in mystery. And it isn't the tigers that laugh and scream once the witching hours dawns in full over this haunted ruin. Those are the things that draw people to the site, almost against their will. They want to see these things, feel these things for themselves. So they follow a small stream through the approaching hills to find it drops directly into the legendary fort itself, passing beneath one of five old gates of entry. This main gate, through which all visitors must pass, is known as Boot Bangala, the House of Ghosts. From there, the waters flow to the truly eye-catching structure at the fort's far end, looming above everything else, like a myth over history, is the royal palace. While today it is dilapidated, the palace and its history is the key to unlocking the mysteries of Bangar. Well, the palace and the small hut that sits on a nearby hill. The contrast between these two buildings paints the history and curse of the fort in a simple visual tableau. 
somewhere between 1532 and 1573 AD, Raja Bhagwan Singh began construction on the fort. And important man, Bhagwan was more important for who he sired, the brothers Mato and Man Singh. Man Singh grew to be one of the most famous leaders in Indian history as a virtuosic commander for the infamous Mughal emperor, Akbar. Since one son had that claim to fame, Bhagwan thought it only fair that Madho Singh have his share of the glory too. So the Bangar fort was born as a gift of inheritance, a promise for the future generations of the Singh generational line. But Bhagwan soon learned this uninhabited landscape wasn't as unclaimed as he thought. There was one resident. His name was Guru Balunath. Balunath was a sadhu, a mystic man, devoted to relinquishing all attachments to the material world, an ascetic who lived atop the hill overlooking Bhagwan's construction. Bhagwan Singh was a man of power, but he was also a man of virtue. He respected this strange Balunath, perhaps he even envied the abilities of a man to live without any material need. But there was one desire that Balunath held on to, the respect of the lands in which he had meditated for many years. Bhagwan respected Balunath and his claim, but a simple final deal was struck. The royal temple could never rise above the hut of Balunath. In the mystic's own words, the moment the shadow of the palace touches me, the city will be no more. For years, Bhagwan Singh honored this, as did his son Mato Singh, and his son after him, Shatra Singh. While the palace grew, the leaders of Bangar made sure that no shadow ever fell across the residence of Balunat. All along, Bangar thrived. At its height, Bangar Fort was home to nearly 10,000 Indian souls. But all of that changed with the ascension of Ajab Singh, the son of Shatra. As all rulers before him had added their own personal touches to the palace, Ajab felt entitled to do the same. And since he saw himself as the greatest leader yet, he decided that his construction would be grand and visible from everywhere in the fort. Anyway, that old Balu Nath had passed away years ago. A modern man such as Ajab knew Nath's warning was nothing but superstition, held on to for too long. So this glorious and vain ruler added additional columns to the royal palace. Columns that put the hut of Nath in their shade. Soon enough, Ajab realized his mistake something within the very foundation of Bangar Fort came loose. Instability emerged, and it soon took over Ajab too, driving him deep into paranoia. He wandered the halls of the palace, talking to himself in an attempt to drive out the small, nearly unnoticeable sounds of foundational decay. It is nothing. That sadhu was just some old lunatic trying to control a Singh. No one controls Ajab Singh. No one. No. No! 
Ajab was nearly killed when a ceiling within a palace collapsed atop him. Soon, buildings all across the fort showed signs of weakening and collapse. Accusing eyes turned to Ajab's columns. His folly, the curse of Sadhu, was real. Cracks and fissures grew in buildings that had stood the test of time for generations, like the royal palace itself. Today, it's said that no building within the walls of Bangar Fort has a complete roof. All have, in some way or another, given in under the curse of Balu Nat. Only the hut of Nat himself remains fully intact. A watchdog now over the ruins, standing small but tall upon the hill near the palace, as if bragging about its longevity. In the aftermath, it became clear that Ajab Singh had failed as a leader. Everywhere he turned, he was confronted with evidence of his arrogant failure. It turned him against his own people and led him to abandoning his legacy before the walls caved in around him. But this was only the beginning of the end. Soon the Singh legacy would be decimated, not just physically, but metaphysically as well. The fort would face down supernatural forces again, yet this time its dark magic would steal every soul from this ancient city. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. And now, let's continue our story. With the ascension of the third generation of Singh leadership, Bangar faced its doom. We've already met Ajab Singh, who was reckless and impulsive enough to betray his grandfather's word to the mystic Balunat. But the most important figure in the history of Bangar was actually his sister, the Princess Ratnavati. Both were entitled to the prodigious wealth contained within the walls of Bangar, expanded under the rule of their father, Shatra Singh. But only Ratnavati held the people's devotion. Ajab did not respect his subjects, whom he thought little of, and cruelly when he thought of them at all. Perhaps they blamed him for the cracks in the foundations that had already begun to appear. Perhaps they saw the curse of Balunat written across his very soul. And Ajab could feel it too, a mixture of guilt and pride, an inability to bestow his sister full control. Whatever it was, Ajab soon abandoned Bangar and established his own fort miles away called Ajab Gar. Ratnavati was already lusted after by many men who hoped to claim her hand in marriage. But with Ajab out of the way, earning Ratnavati's hand also promised control of the fort itself. And so the suitors came from all across the subcontinent. Ratnavati allowed this massive courtship. 
She met each and every one with grace and compassion. And with the same grace, she turned them down. She still had not found the one she loved. And her lack of decision here upset no one. Her face was too serenely beautiful. How could Ratnavati mean any ill towards someone? She only wanted the best for herself and her people. Bangar had already faced down the wrath of one mystic man, who cast a long shadow over the fort. But now, a truly evil force approached. The shadows speak the secrets in lost languages. But now, I can hear them. I can hear everything. In Bangar, there lived a tantric priest by the name of N.K. Singya. Like Balu Nat before him, he devoted himself to the study of ancient writings and practices that promised him a connection to cosmic forces beyond the reach of normal men. Unlike Balu Nat, Singya was no ascetic. He did not divorce himself from the things of man. He did not extinguish his desires or longings in service of some greater good. In fact, his magic often entailed mixing human remains with strange concoctions. He was a man who experimented with his own limits of decency. His connection to the cosmic realm only emboldened his human desires and made him set his romantic sights a bit higher than a low, poor priest should have. He set his sights on Ratnavati. Singya watched her, stalked her, making this vow to himself. Every day she walks through the city, smiling at all. As another round of wealthy men arrive to disappoint her, she holds herself above them, and yet ignores me. No more, no more. I speak to the cosmos, and it shows what belongs to me. It shows me Ratnavati. You and your escorts, you walk the bazaar. You purchase your precious jewels and perfumes. Take this potion, my princess. Dash it upon your soft skin. See the stars as I do. See me as I do. See me and adore me. For weeks, Ratnavati roamed the bazaar as she usually did, surrounded by her entourage unaware of the eyes following her every move. We can find her now, full of nothing but passion for her place in the world and love for her subjects. She speaks to them with passion, saying, You never want me out in the world. You wish to keep me locked away until I decide upon some man to marry. Yet look around you. Look at this life. This is the life I desire amongst my people, engaged in their trade, in their livelihoods. See how they smile as I pass? See how I have won their favor with just the same? A smile, attention, care. It is how my father taught me, and his father taught him, what my brother could never understand. Bangar thrives with nature, all is balanced, why need I upset it with some royal fool? Please, loyal aid, go to the usual perfume stall, 
Find me a fresh essence, something you haven't seen before. I'm in the mood for change. Yet as the aide approached the perfume sellers, a disguised Singia made his way through the crowd. He grabbed the aide's attention with a charismatic flourish. Behold, servant girl, it's me you seek, is it not? A scent for the princess? What today, what today? By the look in your eyes, I sense that Honorable Ratnavati hopes to find something new, potent, powerful. This, take this. No, 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 for my princess, no charge at all. The aide returned Singia's bottle of perfume to an impressed Ratnavati. Along with her entourage, they made their way back to the palace, where Ratnavati would sample her new essence. As they walked home, she examined the bottle, wondering aloud. The essence in this bottle, it has a peculiar color, doesn't it? There's a cloud within the liquid, a darker shade. Wait, what was that? Here, Aid, feel this glass of perfume. It emanates something, a heat. It's... It's unnatural. The monkeys have abandoned this area. They usually love the pond beneath the palace. Even the birds. They're gone. There. Something out of the corner of my eye, behind us, at the bottom of the stairs, near the corner. I saw it. I swear I did. Believing his seduction nearly complete, Singia emerged from the shadows. He spoke to the object of his desire. Try it, my princess. It is an essence beyond your imagining. But try it, and the universe will open to you as it did to me. This nothing place will seem empty to you after I guide you into the higher realm. But Ratnavati was royalty. Dark lures had no appeal to her. And she had led a life where one remained calm in the face of terror. So she let Singia cackle. She let him have his laugh. And then she held up the bottle, glinting in the afternoon sunlight. This essence, your black arts at work? Try it for yourself. Ratnavati hurled the vial of enchanted perfume upon the face of a nearby boulder. The huge boulder began to move. With sadness in her eyes, Ratnavati watched as the boulder rolled down the hillside, as if chasing after the fleeing Singya and crushing him beneath its weight. Check him for his last rites. He was a monster, but he was my subject as well. But it was far too late for Singya. The tantric priest lay dying, pinned to the ground of Bongar. As a result of his own black magic, Ratnavati had escaped a horrible fate. And yet, she had jumped right into another fatal meeting with destiny. With his final words, Singia turned his eyes on the princess. He uttered a curse. I offered you it all, the world beyond the stars, and you chose this dirt for eternity. Ratnavati, the clan of Singh, 
the Fort of Bongar, bound together for eternity with this patch of miserable dirt. Karma leaves you behind. You will know no rebirth, only death over and over and over again. For a year there was peace. Perhaps Singia had failed in his final task. Perhaps Ratnavati would truly find love. Perhaps Bangar Fort would live up to the dreams of her grandfather, Raja Bhagwan Singh, as a monument to the strength and prosperity of their generational line. But of course, Singia had not failed, just as Balanat had not failed before him. These curses caught up with Bangar Fort with a vengeance. See, after Ajab left to build his own fortress, Bangar never left his mind. Perhaps this was another curse of Balunat. Despite all of his effort, Ajab could not shake his legacy. So he would destroy it instead. There was to be a war between Bangar Fort and his fort of Ajabgar. Bangar Fort and its citizens were under siege by their own sister city. The battle even reached the halls of the royal palace, where Ratnavati hid. As she watched the flames of war edge to her doorstep, she knew that Singia's curse had come home to roost. That is not the sound of the living. This is not the sound of those freed from their misery. That is the sound of the dead, the forever dead, those without rebirth. The sound of his curse. My curse. When all was said and done, nearly everyone in Bangkar is said to have died. Both Ratnavati and her brother Ajab were dead. The streets were wet with blood and covered in broken stone. Those who tried to rebuild were met with hopeless failure. Within the bounds of the fort, no building stood intact for more than a few years at the most. And when night fell over the fort, the voices of the dead could be heard. It was clear, souls were trapped here. Perhaps it was the curse of the Santu. Perhaps it was the curse of the Dark Priest. Perhaps it was both. Both stories were passed down as the legend of Bonghar's downfall. Both point to the same result. All who died within Bonghar Fort became exiles of the karmic cycle of rebirth and reincarnation, a belief central to the religion of Hinduism. Only Ratnavati returned to the cycle, forever separated from the people she loved and wanted to protect. Now, their souls would forever roam the streets of Bangar Fort, unhappy and unloved. But many years later, as visitors have learned, these trapped souls refused to be silenced. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now, our story continues. By the end of the 18th century, not a single person resided within the walls of Bangar Fort. Historians credit the fall of the fort 
to the establishment of Ajabgar, saying it pulled away residents after the death of Shatra Singh. Other accounts say a famine struck the area, and the survivors left en masse circa 1783. But those who reside in the area still put the blame on Balu Nat and N.K. Singhia, and in many ways on the Singh clan themselves. When the archaeological survey arrived in the 20th century, seeking to catalog the history of this ancient site, the stories were waiting for them, kept alive by the locals who live in the small villages that dot the roadways leading to the ancient estate. As tourists drive in, with their windows rolled up, the locals look at them with wary and distrustful eyes. If someone stops to ask for help or history, the villagers don't hesitate to mention the various curses laid upon the land of Bangar. They fuel the fires that the guards at the site refuse to stoke. They keep the stories of what happened here alive. And they warn that any who come to Bangar might end up being fodder for future legends. But if the tourists insist, they will point them on their way. They tell them to follow the stream, past the landscape full of huge banyan trees, to the walls of the fort, where the tips of nearly a dozen Hindu temples inside can be glimpsed, into the fort where the old Haveli's Indian mansions lie empty of their former glory. The villagers will tell travelers to listen, for the most common supernatural occurrence claimed by the surrounding villages are sound-based. The shaking bangles they credit to the empty Nachan Ki Haveli, where the dancing girls used to entertain the wealthy. Without even an audience, the lost souls still try to dance for their salvation. Then comes the strange music, foreign even to local ears. This time-traveled symphony is accompanied by a mist that threads its way through the passageways of the ruins. Within that mist, locals claim strange lights flash at night, long after the entryway has been sealed off. It's as if the final party of Mongar Fort never stopped. The villagers also count amongst their ranks babas, or practitioners of the black arts. Although they lack the malevolence and evil of the legendary Singhia, these mystics find solace in the ruins. Eagle-eyed visitors to the fort may find leftover charms or bottles of oil scattered in the small rooms of the temples throughout the grounds. On the walls of these former places of worship are strange and arcane markings, calling to a past that is no longer clear to mortal eyes. Perhaps you might even feel compelled to join them on one of their late-night sojourns. But outside of a few, most who come to Bongar come from afar, and it's these tourists who have really stoked the fires of the fort's mythologies. They return to the modern world and to the internet with many strange tales. Take, for instance, this story, cataloged from the 1990s. A father and his nine-year-old son reach Bongar Fort after a long day of travel. Yet they arrived too late, the guards did not want to let them in so close to closing time. So they decided to take a walk around the outskirts of the grounds. Soon enough, 
they heard a cry from behind them. They turned to find a third man walking their way. He looked a bit worse for the wear, with old clothes stained with dirt. He wore a wry smile on his face. He beckoned them closer. The closer he got, the more bedraggled he appeared. But still, the smile remained plastered on the stranger's face. He told them that there were many other ways into the fort. He could take them inside, for a price. The boy grew visibly upset as the stranger neared. The father picked him up in his arms and ran. Fear had overtaken him, too. Something just seemed wrong about this man. But when the father slowed and turned around, the stranger was gone. In 2011, a group of teenage friends made the journey to Rajasthan purely to witness Bangar. They were skeptics, but they liked the idea of the stories. In order to impress one another and prove their own bravery, they decided they had to go. Much like the father and son from the previous story, these kids reached the fort too late in the day. But unlike the previous story, these kids pooled their resources and bribed the guard to let them in after nightfall. The guard could only shrug. They messed around for a few hours, running about and joking about all the ghosts they weren't seeing. One of them saw something. In a high window of a broken tower, a face appeared, unmoving behind iron bars in the window, but not special in any other way. The teenager called all of his friends together. They waved to the man, trying to attract his attention. They shouted to him over and over, and still there was no response. And then he turns to them with a grievous smile, full of rotting teeth. The teenagers sprinted for the exit. And just as they crossed the barrier back into the outside world, a building within the fort collapsed, just where they had been a few moments before. The curse of Sadhu struck again. But perhaps the most shocking tale comes from deep within the message boards dedicated to tracking the hauntings at Bankar Fort. A young man felt himself drawn to the site, though he lived halfway across the country. He got himself to Delhi and then hitchhiked his way into Rajasthan. Finally, the hitchhiker managed to find a guide willing to take him into the Alwar district and directly into the fort. The guide charged a heavy price but he promised the hitchhiker it was worth it. He could make sure that they were able to stay after dark. And, so the guide claimed, there's no reason to go to Bongar Fort unless you're willing to stay the night. Off they went. They reached Bongar Fort in the afternoon. The hitchhiker and the guide spent the late afternoon combing through the ruins. The guide likely told him the same myths we've heard today. They've walked in the steps of Balunat, of N.K. Singia, of Princess Ratnavati herself. The guide managed to find them a spot to hide while the guards did a last sweep of the grounds. They were near the ramparts that led to the royal palace when they heard the gates shut for the night. Mission accomplished. The guide led the hitchhiker up the stairs toward the palace. 
it would be the perfect place to seek out the spirits. The hitchhiker removed the EVP detector that he had bought off the internet in a desperate hope to commune with the spirit world. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. But then it began. The symphony of chaos known only to Bongar Knights. The hitchhiker turned to the guide, worried. The guide's face was pale. It was then this hitchhiker realized he might have made a mistake. It was as if the entire city was coming alive around them. The mist rolled in. The music grew louder. Strange lights flashed in the windows and vantages of the abandoned Havelis. Both made a break for the main gate. The guide reached it first, but something held the hitchhiker back. His feet grew slow. Something, or someone, was holding him back. He claimed it felt like a force, pulling his steps backward, back toward the ruins. It felt like hands wrapped around his ankles, begging him not to leave. With all of his might, the hitchhiker reached the gate, but he couldn't see the guide. Had he been abandoned? The strange force within the city closed in on the hitchhiker. He grabbed the gate with all of his strength, trying to hold on. And then the guide appeared at the top of the gate, climbing back over. He reached his hand down. The hitchhiker grabbed it, and he was out. The light and sound show continued within the walls, but their ride wouldn't start. The hitchhiker shut his eyes and repeated every mantra he'd never believed in before. Now he had the faith. Now he needed the faith. The engine started. They didn't look back. Without a doubt, there's something behind the walls of Bangar Fort. Local villager Rama Devi states, Boot, Kaudal, Jins, they're all there. But we are not afraid. We have our temples. The locals may have their protections, but do the visitors? If not, what is it that keeps drawing people here? Day after day, night after night, is it just the thrill of seeking the unknown? Or something more? There's a final piece of Ratnavati's tale that I've saved for last. I didn't want to get anyone's hopes up or give them false belief. But it is said that one day, the curse on the karmic cycle of the ghosts of Bangar will slip. Because somewhere in the world, a chosen soul will be born. For years, they might not know it, but one day, they will learn of Bangar Fort and the curse laid upon it. For whatever that reason, they'll decide to pack a pack just on a whim. They'll buy a ticket, be it plane or something local, like a bus or a hitchhiked ride. And when they see the fort rising out of the mist, It'll feel like a distant memory, finally recalled. The guard will open up the gate, even if it's getting dark, no questions asked. And the locals will part as this figure moves past them, as if they sense something too. 
and when this certain person steps inside the ruins. The past will come alive before their very eyes. It won't be terrifying. It won't be disturbing. It won't be some ghostly trap. Out of this traveler will rise the reincarnated soul of Princess Ratnavati, returned at last. The curse will be lifted, and the ghost of Bongar will be able to re-enter their true karmic cycles of rebirth. Life will return, and the dead will depart. Perhaps, perhaps that is why people are drawn here. Why you might be drawn here. Perhaps you are the reincarnation of Ratnavati and the salvation of Bongar Fort. Or... Perhaps you're nothing more than another soul waiting to be sucked into the cosmic abyss of these ancient ruins. There's only one way to find out. Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. We'll see you next time. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Carrie Murphy. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by Jack Bentel. I'm Greg Polson.